There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. I'm alongside the great Gangster Pete. Morning, Gangster Pete. What's up, Tim? It's uh, September 29th, 2020. And I want to lead off uh, this edition of questions from the audience, which is essentially just the podcast now, uh, from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios with a text exchange I'm currently in the middle of with Jason Isringhausen, <laughs> uh, Cardinal Hall of Famer. And he wrote... WTF at 9.51. It's uh, currently 10.23. And I wrote back, what? And he wrote, eggs. <laughs> and I thought, what is this man talking about? I said, the emails? Because he was listening to our show, and I guess he normally doesn't hear the email today. And he heard me reading a story about one of our listeners <laughs> coming downstairs and was seeing Doug in a robe making eggs for him. <laughs> and if you don't listen to the show on a regular basis... And you hear that email about a co-host making eggs for a gentleman lover. <laughs> and I think it's increased if uh, you grew up in rural Illinois and you're chiming in to the sports talk radio program to see what they're talking about a day before the Cardinal playoff game. And you hear that one of the hosts is making eggs for the listener he's sleeping with. <laughs> it probably it probably causes <laughs> we're, we're all kind of numb to it <laughs> yeah for us it's like there were like eight of those emails that i read a half hour ago and i didn't think anything of it but here is a guy who pitched for the cardinals cardinal hall of famer and he tunes in and that's what he hears and he wrote crazy people it'd take me a week to come up with that <laughs> uh so uh, we have that and then of course we have your questions i know i just know that we have oh wow Literally, as I was about to say, I don't know if we have erotic stories. I just opened, I just went back to my email and the title of the email, and it was sent at 1024. It is now 1025. The unexpected, the, oh, I thought it was MFF initially. The unexpected MMF <laughs> was just sent in. So we do have an erotic story. We have questions, um, and, uh, and we welcome you to send them in anytime you would like. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com or opinions. I continue to ask people to motherfuck me. Uh, that's just going to have to, I guess, stay on social media. They don't come in the email inbox. Use your burners. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Uh, opinions, erotic stories, whatever, they are all welcome. Our sponsors are TheHomeLoanExpert.com, Ryan Kelly. Just got done climbing four mountains in four days. Gangster Pete, you're in good shape. Thanks, you're not man. in bad shape. Let me put I, it that way. I run. Do you think you could climb four mountains in four days? Uh, I think I could. The ones with the ropes scare me a bit. Holy shit. I got height issues. Yeah. So did Brian. And here he is climbing four mountains in four days to raise money. Just incredible. They just got back. They just got done. They did it. Four mountains in four days. The climb for the kids. Climbforthekids.com. Make your donation if you could. And if you are in the market to buy a home or refinance there's one place to go. It's kind of, at this point now, it's like there's not even anything else to say. You know the place to go. It's thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, he will save you money. And on top of it, since I refinanced this year, I can tell you this, it's very easy as well. Thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. In addition to Ryan's sponsorship, Mark Hanna 
of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency online at carltoninsurance.net. Design Air Heating and Cooling, Seth Goldcamp of designairservice.com and Jim Rogers of Restoration One. All of them make this podcast possible. Well, I can't help but do it, so I'm going to lead with it. Boy, yeah, I think God, now, now, now another one just came in. Oh, hold on a second. This one might be, um, let's see. This one did come. I, it came from, oh, and he, he used his name. It came. I saw the title. They're coming in fast and furious, Gangster Pete. <laughs> this one just came in at 1027. It's from the King of Derp. And, <laughs> and the email address is, it's not just King of Derp, so I'm not giving away, but it's a Gmail and it's King of Derp. And I'm like, oh, this might be the motherfuck yep. I've been asking for. I'm getting the erotic stories. I'm not getting the motherfuck. Uh, King of Derp just sent one, and it is not an erotic story. Uh, so I will go right with the erotic story. And it was just sent in. I mean, this is fresh. It was a quiet Thursday night, not with a buddy. Let's call him Ripplets for a normal Thursday night cruise of the local bars. After casting the old pole out there a variety of times only to get a couple of nibbles, Sadly, no hooers to take the bait this eve. We headed back to the compound in search of some frisky lasses in the chat rooms to make the travels, not a complete loss. All of a sudden, the Motorola flippy lights up. A Judy is on the other end. What am I reading? <laughs> I mean, I, haven't, I don't know what this, I just got it, so I, I haven't even browsed it. I just know it's titled The Unexpected MMF. I guess this took place a while ago. It's, yeah, if you have the Motorola flip phone. A Judy is on the other end. Shelly is a delightfully chubby gal. Decorated with a superset of double G's who is always willing to please with extra effort. I let her know I wasn't alone yet. She said not to worry. She'd build a quick rocket, let her fly, and say bye. Couldn't say no to that wonderful offer. About 20 minutes later, she's a knocking on the door, not even a hello, as she takes me by the hand and says, let's do this. Leads us to me chambers as she is peeling off her attire. Throws me down, pulling off my pants, and delivers a good mouthwashing of the dagger. <laughs> Gets the blood flow. What is it? What am I reading? Gets the, I wonder if Isringhausen could hear this. It's a unique style. It's something else. Gets the blood flowing in all the right places. Gives the dagger a hard smack and pronounces him fit for active duty. Hops on top and gives me a good ride. A couple minutes into it, here comes old Ripplets with beer in hand striking up a conversation with me as she's bouncing away. I whisper in her ear, how dirty you want to be tonight. Her eyes shoot wide open and a big smile comes across her face. And then she proceeds to continue riding while servicing ripplets. <laughs> she replies, I'll do you one better. Enjoy this. She promptly spins around to let ripplets squeeze the G's as she spreads her other cheeks for me. And without missing a beat, drops the dagger directly in her brown area. Oh, my. That's exactly what the next two words were <laughs> in the email. I swear to you, I was just about to read, oh, my, except there were three exclamation points. And didn't take me long, okay? She ended up staying the night as we took turns. We awakened the next morning to scrambled eggs, biscuits, and gravy on the stove with no Shelly in sight, but a note thanking us for a night to remember. Thanks, not the real HR with two D T's and two D's. I don't know what I just read. I mean, clearly it was a DP, but Gangster Pete. Yeah, I think you pretty much summed it up. It yeah. Was, uh, unexpected uh, DP with riplets. Wow. Do you think that's real? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know the person. I have no reason to. Yeah, I don't either. not believe him. I mean, if it's Deebs, I'm all in. I know it's yeah, real. Yeah, Deebs would be honest. Yeah, but I don't know this gentleman. Well, that's how we start the podcast today. <laughs> that is how we start the podcast. It, it was 
titled at 1024 on 929-2020, the unexpected MMF. I'm like, oh, good. We have erotic stories. Sounds like everybody had fun, so I'm all for it. Yeah, a wonderful evening. Congratulations to Ripplets and uh, this gentleman. All right, we have a bunch of emails that I haven't gotten to and some that have just come in. Uh, and you are always welcome to send them in. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. We also record sound stories. And now, Gangster Pete, right before we started this podcast, we have uh, made it clear because we know a lot of people just don't want to come into a studio right now. A lot of people who would be interviewed for sound stories, the interviews in which we, uh, for your own private family friends use, uh, record really the life story of parents, grandparents. It doesn't have to be wives, husbands, whatever for, uh, as a gift or just to always have that person's voice and story. And at this point, I would say, I think my math is we've done about 30 to 35 of them. And I said, you know, Pete, I think it would help if we could make, make it available to do it remotely. And so we just tested that. And now we know we can do that and have the audio properly recorded. And we actually have one coming up later this week. If you want to come in studio, that's great. We love doing it. But if you just want to do it remotely or want to set it up for your mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, whomever, whoever you would want to have the interview done, we can do it remotely now. Uh, so if you're interested, especially for the holidays, it is a perfect holiday gift. And you can knock them out now because we'll be backloaded in November and December. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. Um, and if you're interested, go ahead and uh, contact me and we will set it up. Uh, but you also can email in for our questions from the audience. Questions, comments, opinions, erotic stories. They're all welcomed. Uh, DraftKings Cal. Hey, boy, Twink, short and sweet question for Gangster Pete. What's up, Cal? How often are you receiving calls during the radio show and not passing them through on air? Loves and kisses. That's from DraftKings Cal. Uh, unless I don't the, know the answer to this. Unless the person's like a jerk to me, then I pass most of them through. What percentage are jerks to you? I don't know the answer to this one either. Oh, I mean, very small percent, maybe like less than five percent. I'd say probably about five percent. Really? Yeah. What are they calling and they're mad about what we're talking about? Yeah, they just call in. They've got a bad attitude off the jump, and I'm just like, all Do right. Do they want to come on, or are they just bitching at you? Well, because that's that's usually, an older person move in 2020. Yeah, a lot of times they just start bitching. And I'm just like, God, thanks for calling. That's it. Yeah. So I don't even know if they want to get on. Uh, Tim, I've heard you talk about your behavior in the past that upsets you. Did you have anyone back then to maybe, quote, check you and point out the assholeness that was taking place? And do you have anyone today? Thanks, Dave. Um, I would say today it would certainly be my wife. Back then I would say no, I didn't. And the um, and, I, and I, let me make this clear, as I think Pete can vouch for. I would still say I'm an asshole, but... I think I'm a principled asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely principled. I don't know if you're an asshole. Yeah, I, I, I just, I'm just not, a, I'm just not a small talk, nice guy. I, I, it's another reason why I think I'm unelectable. I have zero interest in like small talking. But if I really like someone, I'm 100% engaged. My wife and I had this conversation over the weekend. Actually, when I am engaged, like she goes, like, you're, there's nothing better than when you're engaged. And when you're not engaged, there's <laughs> nothing worse. There's no happy, and that there is there is a, there is truth to that. There's there's a hundred percent truth to that. <laughs> what I'm thinking about for the for reference to the assholeness, it's when I'm listening to like the morning grind. So that's 2004, 2006, and I mean it's not like I listen to it regularly. Occasionally, segments will pop up, and I'm just like, oh my god, what was going on? So nobody really told me. I think two things contributed to it. 
Um, getting divorced in 2008 um, was one thing. I take full responsibility for that. I, and it, it's not like it's like there's a defining moment because we used to calmly talk about, well, we got to get divorced, but we just bought this house and it's 2008 and take yourself back to 2008. I know a lot of you were in your twenties, so you might've been like eight, but, uh, that wasn't a good time to be selling a house that you just bought. I, I mean, I lost some money there. Holy shit. Um, I, but I just, I wasn't a good husband. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen my ex-wife in 11 years, even though I believe she still lives here in St. Louis. And I don't even think she recognized my personality now, but you know, I mean, Hey, listen, I, that, that was me. It wasn't her. It was me. So I own that. But if you get divorced and you, it isn't some semblance of a wake up call, you know, you can sit there and blame so-and-so and blame this event or that event or whatever, but still something had to contribute to it getting there. You'd ha- you have to kind of look in the mirror. I think, I think, I'm sure some people don't necessarily want to hear that, but I think that that's for me, that was something. And then also probably something that I think changed my perspective on the way I conducted myself on the air was I used to be just on air and had no perspective on how the business worked. And a lot of the BS that contributes to the business once I was on the other side of the desk. So in 2010, late 2009, 2010, when inside STL took over ownership of the content of TMA, uh, you see things totally differently. You see, and then, but because I also, and still am on air, I see both sides. And so, whereas I used to be like, fuck this, I don't need to do this live read or fuck this. The sales guy wants to ask a question, you know, then you realize, oh, it's actually the sales staff. That's the engine of the business and I'm replaceable. Um, and, and so I'm on TV at KMOV. I'm 23. I'm on radio. I'm making for that time, you know, a lot of money, uh, for my age and I'm in my hometown and things are going well. And just, there was, there had to have been just an incredible amount of arrogance and a lack of self-awareness. I think of the two things and my God, what a, what an awful fucking combination. Uh, I think now maybe I have like too much self-awareness because everything winds up being a disclaimer. But, uh, I think that was the, I think that was the, and I wasn't sleeping. So then you got a whole nother situation going on. I had a real bad sleep problem. So all of those things I think contributed to it. Um, and that leads me to something that has nothing to do with this email. Um, I doubt you've seen it gangster Pete. I don't know what it's called. Um, but it just aired on Showtime. Uh, called the Comey rule. And it's, it's a, uh, it's a, it, they call it a mini series. It's a two part, uh, you know, I guess like big, basically like a two part movie on, uh, James Comey based off of his, uh, autobiography and, you know, his, his stories of what transpired in 2016 and then eventually his termination by president Trump. And I assume you haven't seen it. I, I haven't seen it. It just aired on Sunday. 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing with that. It's because, I mean, he went from, if we take our, here's, here's the reason why I'll give the headline as to why I'm talking about this. One of the things that I think is going on that is actually probably playing a role in torturing me right now is that I can't talk about, or I choose not to talk about everything that is going on. And then on top of it, it's not like there is a solution. So it's like there's this and it's nuclear or there's this and it's not really a good option. 
So and and so as I was watching this, and I read an interview with Comey uh, on Friday. I didn't even know this this miniseries, as it's called, was coming. Jeff Daniels plays Comey. Je- Jeff, Dan- Jeff like Daniels him. plays Comey. Uh, I think he does a great job. He actually somehow has his body language down really well. I don't sound like I've watched a lot of Jim Comey, but um, the, if the Daniels and Comey are interviewed together, and the writer asks something along the line, this is like a, you're like a Greek tragedy character. And he goes, yeah, I guess in the sense that the person in the middle has no, has no good choices. And I'm kind of like, oh, this is because I'd not really, I mean, I know the story, but not like that. When I watched it, it was, it was incredibly eye opening as to the circumstances that led to what most people now go, boy, did he fuck up? Boy, did he fuck this up? Boy, did he fuck that up? Boy, did he fuck that up? And then it provides the context to what happened. And then a lot of these things that I do recall happening, for example, um, Bill Clinton. Remember the Bill Clinton meeting on the uh, on the tarmac in Phoenix? I mean, this is super obscure shit. Uh, God, do you remember that? It was like in 2016 when Hillary's emails were under investigation. And... Uh, God, oh, in, in uh, Loretta Lynch, that's the the attorney general. She was the attorney general at the time. So she's waiting to take off from Sky Harbor in Phoenix, the Phoenix airport. And Clinton's plane is there. And, I mean, this is nuts. I mean, you look back <laughs> on it and you go, what in the world? But how all of this played a role in everything. Holy shit. Uh, and I'll try to tie it back into what was the question about me being an asshole. But Clinton sees Lynch's plane. And, and somebody on, I guess, maybe one of the pilots says, hey, uh, President Clinton would like to talk with you. And she goes, okay, patch him in. She goes, no, his plane is right across the way. He would like to have a meeting with you. And so the optics, while Hillary is under investigation of an Obama appointee having a conversation on the tarmac with the husband slash former president, uh, of Hillary Clinton is obviously terrible. Right. And so that's the, the fact that they did that, which was just like, I mean, what is, what is, what is everybody doing? And I think a big theme of it is Hillary thought she was above the law, um, played a role in why Comey had the initial, and again, most people I realize, kind of like when I said last week, how many people in our audience do you think know Merrick Garland? Now that might trigger a memory, but like who he actually is, why it was relevant for last week's discussion. This week, that whole thing, that meeting with uh, between Lynch and, and, and President Clinton and what that did. So then Comey felt, uh, felt obligated to address uh, the findings, which was not standard by any means. And then and, and then and then Anthony Weiner. Do you know Anthony? Oh, yeah. t- I mean, the, the fact that that is really what Anthony Weiner jacking off. <laughs> Which, I mean, is just unbelievable with, with, a, with, I don't know if it's son or daughter, but like baby, you know, I mean, somebody who's old, younger than the age of four, like sitting next to him while he's sexting led to uh, Huma Abedin, who is a Clinton assistant, Hillary assistant, her computer being, the co- computer being confiscated, which then led to them downloading, realizing all of these emails, which then led to the Comey press conference where he felt obligated if he had had a press conference in June or July saying that she had been cleared, that's what led to the press conference or the statement to Congress saying, 
she is back under investigation like 10 days out from the election. Or 10, 12, whatever it was, days out from the election, which a lot of people, certainly Hillary, but a lot of other people blame Comey for because they believe that that's what led to Trump winning. Whether or not that's true, who knows? I mean, that's that was a big thing. But he felt like the right thing to do was if he had a press conference where he announces that she had been cleared a few months earlier, then he has an obligation now that he knows that she's back under investigation. But there were 300,000 emails. There was no way to read through all of them to know whether or not she was going to be cleared well out before the election. So he he made the statement. He felt like that was the right thing to do because what if after she's elected, they find out that she needs to be indicted? And so he issues the statement. And then two days before the election, they clear her again. And you look at it and it's kind of like, ah, I kind of get it now that I know that, you know. And it's a it's a really tough watch, but I thought it was good. Now, the 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, here's what happens. I think it's two parts. President Trump does not emerge until the very final scene in the part, the first part, Brendan Gleeson looks a lot like him. I just oh got my the god, his preview up here. The gentleman who plays Barack Obama, his ability, his, the, the mannerisms of both the people playing President Obama, President Trump, are incredible in this. If, if you don't even enjoy the, the story, uh, I think you'll you'll take that. And and Daniels is Comey for that matter. I really would recommend. I'd be I'd love to. I know most people won't watch this, but I'd be curious what people think. Audience but, score was 75%. What was? Audience score. Okay. So the thing that I think will, will come into it is Trump is clearly the villain in the second part. And so, therefore, it, I think it's going to, if you're if you're a fan of Trump's, you're not going to like it. If you're a fan of, I mean, I don't know who's a Jim Comey fan, because he wound up pissing off both Democrats and Republicans. And that, hence, hence the tragic. And whether or not he did the right thing or didn't do the right thing, he thought he was doing the right thing. But he said, I had no options. And so I was, I mean, he had options, but they were not, both of them were bad options, you know, and, uh, and he has, you know, his wife is, and he's like, yeah, this is all true. Every, I watched it. I watched one of the scenes being shot, the famous dinner scene where president Trump says, I need your loyalty. And he keeps following up on it and Comey doesn't answer. And then he says, you will have my, I will always be honest with you. And Trump can say, I need your loyalty. He goes, I will always be loyally honest because <laughs> he would not say it. And Comey watched that scene. He said it made him sick to his stomach because they did it like perfectly of what had happened. But Comey's wife and he has four daughters were like, you are going to play a role in this man being elected if you do this. And they were trying to stop him from doing it. And he's like, I have an obligation to do what is right. And that was that was the thing. But doing what was right was unpopular. So I really do recommend watching it. It is, it's not pleasant per se. It is really sad. It's obviously new, but at the same time, you know, all the president's men about Watergate came out in 76, which is really fucking weird when you think about it. Dustin Hoffman, Robert Redford, you ever see that uh, gangster piece uh, about Watergate? I mean, it's two years removed and obviously the country wasn't over that. So this is, so anyway, recommended viewing. The point being on the assholeness, um, the thing that I think is is um, has been tough for me because I see it, one of the questions is from Timothy Andrew here, and I'll roll it in. You've been a bit more outspoken lately regarding the amount of hate mail and DMs you've been receiving. Are you actually receiving more than usual, whatever that means, 
uh, as in, I guess, probably whatever number it would be. Have you just been more outspoken as of recent due to some mental exhaustion, which has led to mention it more often, or is it something else entirely? If you're actually receiving more, what do you think is the reason? Is there a new wave of shitheads? It's a great question, so I'm going to roll it all in together. Um, yes, I've absolutely been receiving more. It's more often than not um, text messages on the show, but mostly emails and their emails from like hotmails or AOLs, like people's burners that they created in the nineties and they don't use anymore, but now they, that's, that's what it is. And they're really, they're, they've never, they haven't been threatening. I want to make that clear because I don't want to overstate it, but they are, um, they'd make you uncomfortable, I guess, but by the best way to describe it, I mean, I'm not sitting going, Oh my God, this guy's going to come after me. It's just, it's uncomfortable. And I've gotten them not all that much recently, um, and by recently, I mean, over the last few years, I've gotten them before. So you kind of are used to it, but it's, it's, and I think it's rolled, I think it's rolled into politics. That's what I think it is. Um, it started with our discussions of the pandemic, but not in March. It started in April when it became in late March, early April, when it became more of a political topic. Uh, and there are still some people who are like, boy, you were wrong on that. And I'm going, how in the fuck was I wrong? like, I mean, what, are, what prism are you viewing this through? So you were wrong. And I don't even know what my premise was outside of a great deal of concern and how quickly the world was changing. Uh, and the, well, I guess here, here was my principle. Who is, who is pulling for the pandemic? Like who wants to see the economy crash? Who wants to see people die? And it's been seven months and I still ask the same question. Who is pulling for the pandemic? But there are honestly people, I guess, conservatives some conservatives, not all, who think that it is overstated so President Trump doesn't get reelected. And there's nothing that I'm going to say it's going to change their mind. Uh, India, which I don't believe has any relation to the 2020 presidential election, is in absolute disarray right now uh, because, I mean, with a, with, with a country as uh, overpopulated as India is in close proximity with a water situation for many parts of India— I mean, it is, that's a, that's in a bad way. And it's, you know, I mean, but if people want to believe it, they want to believe it. And there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to change their mind. But if they get their information from certain places and I get my information from other places, we're just going to see things differently. And we certainly both think that we think the facts that we read are correct. And the facts that I'm saying, if you're on the other side are incorrect. And so I think that's where it comes from. I think there are people to tie it into the initial question with regard to the show who um, are frustrated because they love the show and they don't know what's going on. And then I don't participate in talking about the situation and they feel like I'm not, I'm letting them down for lack of a better term, which then that kind of gets me back to the, there, there is not a, there is not a great solution, uh, which is why that popped into my head. Um, so, um, Let's see. Are you receiving more than usual? Yes. Have you just been more outspoken as of recent? I don't know because I've been receiving more. So that's why I'm talking about it more. There really isn't. I, I guess there's, I wouldn't say there's mental exhaustion. I feel lonely. That's the way that I would describe it. This is, this is the thing that my wife and I, when we were talking this weekend, um, and I, and I don't want it to sound, I hope it doesn't come off how it could come off. Like I can't talk about it. And I am, I think we talked about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I am not good when I can't talk about everything. Now I could talk about it, but there'd be ramifications. And so that's the thing. So I'm kind of boxed up 
And our son is so he never he's never napped. He's never napped since he was born. Now he's three, so he's kind of getting beyond nap time anyway. And he's so high energy that during the day, my wife and I do not have time to really like talk like we did this weekend when he spent a night over at her parents' house. And I was like, oh my God, how much I needed this. I didn't even know how much I needed this just to be able to talk about all this. And she doesn't even know it because he takes forever to go to bed. He maybe will get to sleep by nine o'clock if we're lucky. And at that time, I'm getting ready to shut it down and I'm exhausted for the day and I'm getting ready to shut it down and get up, you know, go to bed to do the show. So, you know, I'm kind of not even talking about everything with her. I mean, she knows certainly a lot, but not everything. And so that has been tough. Um, and a lot of this stuff that may, may frustrate people, it, this is every business is dealing with this. I don't know why. Um, I guess, I guess perhaps people think it's personal or that whatever the case might be. And maybe that's why, and that there's a good guy and a bad guy and all of those things. But at, you know, it's, it's just business, unfortunately with a lot of it. And, um, it's just, it's the circumstances of 2020. That's the nature of the beast. I think people think that there are these monster, uh, dramatic secrets and, you know, certainly I don't talk about it, but, um, some of it's just as simple as numbers in business. So that part contributes to the mental exhaustion, not getting hate mail over, um, topics that we discuss on the show or don't discuss on the show. The other thing that, that I know is to, I, I love discussing politics and political philosophy. Um, like for example, tomorrow, gangster Pete, I'm sure we'll talk about the debate that's taking place tonight. Can't wait. When you say can't wait, yeah. are you being serious? Yeah, I'm excited okay. to watch okay. it. Okay. I don't I mean, I don't know what we're gonna see. I think it'll be hilarious and sad at the same time. I something something we'll be talking about something. We'll remember there will be a I knew Jack yeah. Kennedy and you are no Jack Kennedy. Not because it'll be delivered like Lloyd Benson delivered it to Dan Quayle in eighty eight, but because there'll be something kind of like when Al Gore walked over and like stood over and loomed George W. <laughs> Bush in two thousand or Donald Trump loomed over Hillary Clinton in 2000. There'll be something from this where we'll go, oh, my God. You know, there's just no way. I mean, I don't know how it can't. I mean, these two guys can't all of a sudden become brilliant orators, you know, for the first 50 years they weren't. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be whatever. But on the show, as I've said here on the podcast and I've said on social media and in emails, I don't want to get into a um, an argument with Doug. That's not what I want to do. That's not what I want to do in general on the podcast. I've had people in who I disagree with, Ed Martin being one that stands out to me. Um, I don't like argue with him. I ask him, I ask him follow-up questions. That's how I handle discussions. But I think a lot in the audience want blood when somebody is saying something that they don't agree with. And that is not my style. And a lot of people disagree with Doug. At the same time, a lot of people agree with Doug. And so that gets very frustrating that as opposed to being somebody of principle, I am called a coward. And that, that bothers me uh, because I know how I've been doing this for a long time. And I also know what's going on behind the scenes in order to keep the show together for as often as we did, as long as we did with as many circumstances as we did out of my own pocket as often as it was. And then to be blamed for shit that that's irritating. But in order to tell the whole story, I'd then be making things public that wouldn't be good if they were made public. So that's kind of the way that I would describe it. That's what I'm exhausted by. I'm not exhausted by a guy who is 30, 40, 50 years old. And he's like, I fucking hate Tim. And I'm going to send something from my hotmail account to piss him off. 
that's not exalt. <laughs> I mean, I don't, do I enjoy it? No. But does it, it, do I think about it past five minutes? No. So if that makes that person feel better, then great. You know, I mean, it doesn't really impact me. I would kind of enjoy it. If you want to send me hate mail, <laughs> I, I kind of get fuck, off on tell it. Tell you to fuck off. And yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, a, you know, it's one of those things like when you first, like when I first, I don't know when I first started getting probably early two thousands, I don't know if it wreck your day, but you take it more seriously. Now it's like, now you kind of know the, you don't know who the person is per se. I mean, I can get it if I want it, but, uh, you, you know, the, the demographic, so to speak. And it's, it's not, it's not somebody who's 27 with a beautiful girlfriend or wife and making a lot of money. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely not a happy <laughs> you know person. That, you know, you know that. And, you know, with probably a body fat percentage of under, <laughs> you know, I mean, you just, you kind of know, you know, and then you're like, ah, man, it's so, it's like you're, you know, whatever the situation is, uh, you know, and this is, this is what it's come to for you, that you logged out to your main, of main account and you went to your burner email and this was the way <laughs> that you got your, you know, your dopamine. And so you don't go, oh, fuck, he got me. You go, fuck, man, there are people out here like this, you know? And fortunately, because our show is, you know, like a satire, you have to have some semblance of, um, I don't know, wit, I suppose, and uh, common sense. So we don't get a lot of that stuff. But, um, you know, like the STL Today comment thing where you read it and you're like, wow, is that, is that like one of our listeners doing a joke? No, it really is like somebody who's borderline KKK posting shit <laughs> under an article in STL Today. But uh, no, when I get them, I've definitely gotten more of them. And I think it's, I think it's, I think it's mainly pandemic related, uh, social unrest related. And then the limited times that we do talk politics on TMA, because I don't think those people listen to the podcast. So I think it's, that's where I think it comes from. Um, if you're actually receiving more, what do you think is the reason? Is there a new wave of shitheads? No, I don't think, I don't think there's a new wave at all. Uh, I think if anything, we probably have a hell of a lot less shitheads now than we did when we started in 2004. I just think it's the time and that's, um, and that's the nature of, uh, 2020 and I don't see it going any other way. Gangster Pete, uh, we've been talking about it on the podcast now for, uh, pro pro approaching eight months, November, 2020. It is approaching. That's right. Uh, um, it's getting real. What, what are, what are your thoughts as we are, we are getting about a month out, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I just don't see how it can be good. It's, chaos is what's coming it's just like it's like a no matter what chaos right it's an absolute no matter what chaos i just went to the uh to bovada to get my latest oh my god you can bet on holy shit you can bet on what color president trump's tie will be red minus 360 i mean i'd bet the bankroll on red i would too uh joe biden's blue light blue navy blue minus 275 um I could see him trying to convey not the Democrat thing, but to appeal to people who had voted Republican before by perhaps not wearing blue. I don't think it'll be red. Red is plus 230. Purple is plus 1,000. I might fire a bullet on purple. <laughs> <laughs> I really might fire a bullet on purple. If he wears purple, that's the best bet ever. Uh, what will Biden say first? Scranton, that's minus 275. Malarkey, is it plus 200? <laughs> These are real bets on Bovada. Oh, I'm sure. What will Trump say first? Sleepy Joe, minus 275. Phony Kamala, my, plus 200. What will Trump say first? Fake news, minus 215. China virus, plus 160. 
I think there's a great deal of value on China virus at plus 160. <laughs> this is great. All I was looking for were the presidential odds. And then I just went, uh, what will be said by first by Trump or Biden? Pandemic, mask, World Health Organization, CDC, Fauci. A pandemic is even. Mask plus 200. World Health Organization plus 450. CDC plus 600. Fauci plus 600. I'd go with pandemic. Yeah, I think pandemic is the... Uh, God, I mean, I feel like there's some great... I heard uh, I heard Trump was plus one hundred again yesterday. Let me take a look. I haven't gone to I haven't gone to it in a couple of weeks. Uh, will Trump or Biden curse on air? No, minus ten thousand. I mean, who the hell's even going to bet ten thousand dollars <laughs> on this? I mean, I guess if he just want to win a hundred bucks, and then what is curse? What is curse? Uh, must be one of George Carlin's seven dirty words. All right. Good for them for specifying. Uh, all right, presidential election odds to win. Biden minus 120. I think that's about what it's been. I think it got down to minus 115, and it's been as high as plus 160, 165. Trump was as high as, excuse me, Trump was minus 165. Biden's been 165, I think, both that big of favorites. So now Biden is minus 120. And it's amazing uh, that if you are, and it's not across the board, but how there are people who are, and this was kind of my premise back in February when we started talking about it, if you are a fan of Donald Trump's and that falls under the category of actually being a fan of Donald Trump's or doing the thing where you say, yeah, I don't know who I'm going to vote for, except everything else that you write is clearly indicating that you're a Donald Trump fan, uh, that they believe that he is going to win and there is no way in the world that he's not. And if you are a Biden fan or more likely just anti-Trump, uh, you can't see a possibility in which Joe Biden doesn't win which to me has always been the thing that no matter what, therefore, when whoever wins, however it's determined, and God help us all if it's Amy Coney Barrett, who's the <laughs> one who determines that, uh, that the other side will believe the other side fucked with the election, which to me is the thing. Then you add in the pandemic, the social unrest, and RBG, and Amy Coney Barrett, and now you have even more. But 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 back in February, why was I saying it? Because... The belief was if you're a Trump fan, that there's no way he can lose. And if you're whoever, if you hate Trump, really, because it's not like there was a Biden fan uh, and it didn't look like Biden was going to be the nominee back in February, that um, there's no way that Trump could win reelection. And that, to me, is the thing that is going to be in addition now to a bunch of other powder cakes. There are the powder cakes. I'll be interested to see uh, what those odds are after tonight based on what happens tonight. And, I, and how much do you think it will really impact people? Like, I don't know. I get a lot of attention, and it probably will be entertaining, but I'm now past the point of being, like, when I first saw Trump debate, I'm, like, just laughing at it back in 20, I don't even know if it was 2015 or 16, because I never thought it was, could really happen. And now it's like, God, I want to laugh, but it's like, it's not funny, you know? Like, to me, it's not funny anymore. It's like, holy shit. Well, I think a lot of people that are entrenched on one side or the other take the debates pretty seriously and i think i think it, and this is what i was trying to get to when me and doug were talking about it briefly at the end of the show whatever when's the last year pete you felt like we had two great choices i mean maybe bush gore really god see i feel like obama biden or not obama biden obama mccain yeah that was pretty good but the palin thing kind of ruined it yeah i know but as far as the two individuals go right yeah i'd give you that um that I just, I just, I think the the debates are just, it's just, it's not, it's so, they're just so wrong as far as like determining, 
it, that's not that's not what you you never debate when you're in the White House. And by that, I mean, you don't debate the opposition. You may have a disagreement inside your staff and that's fine. But the debates are about getting off lines. Soundbite. Exactly. And, you know, here we are. I'd already made reference to Lloyd Benson. I knew Jack Kennedy. You, sir, know Jack Kennedy. You know, and God, I, you can actually see Dan Quayle right as he's teeing that up. And you can see the gulp before Benson even gets the line off. Because Quayle was, <laughs> you know, I mean, he was a whipping boy uh, in that role. Super young guy. I guess H.W. Bush viewed him as an up-and-comer. And, you know. He hasn't done anything since. Uh, and uh, he just knew that he was going to be on the receiving end of it. Reagan got off a great one with Mondale in 84 because it was Reagan was older, although younger than both these guys, I believe. Uh, and is, is his way to address it was, I am not going to use my candidate's youth and inexperience against him in these <laughs> debates. Great line. Brilliant great line. line. Um, so... It's all about sound bites. I mean, because when it gets down to it, policy bores people. And then even if even if they were to talk about policy, especially with this situation, you don't know what the hell's true and not. I mean, you probably have a good idea, uh, but it's it's about watching for entertainment. So from that standpoint, like I said, I think more so than any other year, whether from the first debate has come up, more people already know who they're voting for than than previous years all right let me go into more questions here from the audience but before i do allow me to talk about mark Hanna of evergreen wealth strategies you need a financial advisor and here's the one i recommend for you mark Hanna, evergreen wealth strategies he's online at evergreenstl.com you can give him a call 314-889-0503 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com Dot com. You want to get yourself organized? We head into the fourth quarter. He will get you organized. He'll give you a plan, and you will be on the right track. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Manage your taxes better. They're already one of the biggest expenses most people ever pay. What do you think about if taxes might happen to go up? Be prepared. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. All right, back to the lab again, yo. Well, this is interesting. Uh, kind of revisiting it. Pete, you were in Columbia, so this will kind of tie into it, I guess, a little bit. Uh, hey, Tim. Uh, I grew up in St. Louis, went to Mizzou, and now live in Kansas City. It is very odd to me to hear the St. Louis hatred from the west side of the state, especially in the sports media. Growing up, I never once thought of Kansas City as a threat to St. Louis, but boy, do they enjoy taking whacks at St. Louis whenever they can. Why do you think this is? I got a taste of it at Mizzou, but the rivalry was more so arguing about Metro Catholic Conference versus Rockhurst sports. Kansas City professional sports teams were awful at the time I was there. One of the biggest and loudest examples of this is Bob Fesco. I know you worked with him briefly in St. Louis, Tim, and have mentioned how the two of you didn't do a good show together. I listen to a lot of sports radio in Kansas City, and I'm not sure how anyone can work well with him. He says some ridiculous things. For example, he's willing to die on the hill that the NFL is scripted each week. I didn't know he said that. I'm surprised he says that. Uh, he truly believes that and mentions it often. How can a radio station employ someone who believes their most popular sport, which makes up 75% to 90% of the yearly radio time in Kansas City, is essentially fake entertainment? Does his dislike of St. Louis stem from his brief career there, or is he a victim of the larger Kansas City population who, for some reason, has grown to take shots at St. Louis whenever they can? Uh, thanks. That comes from Mike. Well, I'm not 
and I'm not saying this from a moral high ground. I just don't want to be the guy who's like ripping, you know, especially somebody who I worked with. Bob and I didn't work well together because Bob does one thing. And I like if Bernie and Miklos and I were to do a show together. And by the way, I'd hire Bernie and Miklos in a heartbeat, but I wouldn't put him with me to do a show. And I doubt he'd want to do a show with me, not because we dislike each other. I think we like each other quite a bit, actually. Uh, I say from my side, and I think he would say the same thing. But we do two totally different things. So, you know, it'd be like Gary Pinkle having Corby Jones run the offense. He had Chase Daniel running. It just wouldn't work. That is a very obscure, outdated Missouri football reference. But the premise being, you know, Bob plays more of, I don't even know if I would call it the Bernie style, but not the TMA style. The TMA style is just, you know, I don't even know what it is. Certainly it's, it's not uh, common, and I'm not saying that because it's so great. I'm just saying it's super weird. So if you're used to doing a show one way and all of a sudden you're thrown in our thing, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? So I was used to, with Martin Kilcoin and the cat and producer Joe, all of whom I had been working for for a couple for working with for a couple of years, and all were gone within a matter of three months, four months. And then no matter what, there's, there's, you know, there's some, you know, disappointment in that Bob and Jason Barrett who hired Bob's version of what happened is very disappointing to me because it's not accurate. And I think, I don't know if Bob knows that. I think Jason knows that, but Jason is not acknowledging that it, it didn't work, but it was Jason's move. And so he doesn't want to acknowledge that his move didn't work. And so what they do is they blame me for sabotaging the show, which is just asinine because I was under contract for another 20 months when they hired 21 months when they hired him. So that was, so they initially hired Bob and they had him running point and it was going so poorly that I went to ownership, not even management. Cause I saw that management knew that they were in trouble. Um, and with how bad the thing was. And I said, listen, I'm not looking for any more money or anything like that, but I'll run point on the show. I think it could help. Um, and I'll be the host and hopefully maybe that'll help him ease in and it'll help it improve. So I took, not that, that, that that's like all of a sudden I'm lifting heavy weights, but it is taking on more responsibility. And if I'm trying to sabotage the show, why would I do that? I mean, listen, I know, I think most people at this point probably know I wasn't. It's not like everybody's saying that to people who are invested in that legacy say it. And that's disappointing. Um, and the only reason I'm even aware of it is, uh, Barrett had him on a podcast and people said, you got to listen to this. They're ripping you on the podcast. I go, what? But I don't think they mentioned me by name, but yeah, it's like Fesco said something. Wow. What can you do? And one of the people doesn't want the show to work. And I'm going, wow. I mean, if that's, but you know, whatever. I mean, that's, it's, it's, I mean, it's been 13 years. Who gives a shit? I think at this point we can kind of, you know, the track records speak for themselves, but, um, yeah, that's not true. But, but, but just because Bob and I didn't work well together, doesn't mean Bob is not talented. We just do two different things. I don't listen to his show. I doubt he listens to our show. Um, so I don't know what it is that he says with regard to Kansas city and the St. Louis thing. I have no idea what that's about. I've never understood it. Uh, I've offered theories. Um, Pete, you're a handful of years younger than me. Was it going on for you at your frat when you were at the university of Missouri? My freshman year it was because that was the 99 Rams super bowl run. So all the Kansas city people were kind of butthurt about that. Yeah. But I mean, I think KC is a great place to visit. 
and I enjoy watching the Chiefs. I just have no emotional attachment to the city or the team. So yeah, I just don't care. Like if anything, I'm like, oh, good, the Chiefs are on. That's going to be entertaining, right? Like I was excited to watch that game last night. It's it's just it, and, and listen, if I would have gone to Indiana or you know I don't know whatever Dayton, you know these schools that I was looking at, uh, and knock on a Mizzou, I probably would have been completely unaware of it. I think it's something that if you live in St. Louis and you didn't go to the University of Missouri, you're probably completely unaware of it because I was completely unaware of it until I went to Mizzou, and it was a really weird thing, you know, like like for me, the Cardinals were playing the Braves in the NLCS in '96, and all the Kansas City fans were Braves fans. And you're just like, what the fuck is your deal? Like, like I remember the Ram or the Chiefs at the time had Marcus Allen and Joe Montana, and that was entertaining. I wasn't like, God, I hope the Chiefs lose. I didn't right. give a shit. I just didn't <laughs> care. I mean, if anything, I'm like, oh, it's Joe Montana and Marcus Allen. You know, it's just a weird thing. And I'm sure some of you, you know, still don't even know what the hell it is that we're talking about outside of it because in St. Louis, it's not talked about unless like something like this comes up it's a weird deal i don't know and as far as why bob doesn't like st louis i i honestly don't know you know um all right what do we got here this is i didn't see this one before this was sent saturday morning at 7:22 maybe i just put it in the qfta folder so i haven't read this it looks like we got another erotic story oh wow tim and smoke facebook is a garbage fire yep i have muted 99% of my connections and left my news feed with real friends and family. I really don't care about what the guy who sat next to me in History 2500 is doing now. <laughs> my self-created echo chamber is not perfect, and a simple post of two friends having brunch brought back a memory of a very special night. My buddy was house-sitting for a hashtag blessed uncle, and we had access to a nice house in the middle of nowhere with an infinity pool, and we were about to turn that baby into half grotto bitches. <laughs> We grabbed a bottle of Captain Morgan and a case of Coke, the White Claw of the early 2000s in my group, and started flipping through our Rolodex. So we're striking out left and right. We finally settled on a girl that was not the greatest looking, but very sporting, and hoped she would bring someone else that was equally as sporting. And she came through like gangbusters. A friend in town from Hawaii, and she's leaving tomorrow. Jack, inhibitions are out the damn window. Booze is flowing. Tops come off. And then it happened. My only MFF. Oh, yeah. I like to hear this. Finally got one. We find, yeah, we've been getting a lot of guys together or guys trying to get together. <laughs> or just beating off be. on the highway. Yeah, or just pleasuring oneself on 70. We finally got an <laughs> MFF. It took a few months of begging for it. It just happened in the form as a take your turn MMFF. Okay, I guess we really didn't get an MFF. Mm. But engaging on either side of this glorious pool. I don't think of that night in specifics often. But when I saw this picture, I was instantly taken back to a great night. Fuck Disney World. That house on that night was the Magic Kingdom. I got to tell you something. He sent in a picture. Here, you can see the picture, Gangster Pete. Not bad. Yeah. I prefer the one on the left. Yeah, well, I agree. <laughs> yeah, one on the left's legit. Yeah. Wow. So I don't get it. So, like, I mean, I know I'm not having a conversation with anyone, but it sounds like he's at one end of the pool, his buddy's at the other end of the pool, and the girls would, like, go back and forth, like, like mermaids? Either that or they just stayed in the same vicinity. I have to ask this, and I, and I don't even think there's one female listener. I, my wife listens to the show. I don't think she, I, maybe she does listen to the podcast. But as I've disclosed numerous times, her interest in giving me an MFF uh, is very, very low. But I ask this question. It sounds like a lot of times when women engage in lesbianism, it's with their friends. Not that I'm like considering starting to hook up with guys, 
But if I were to start hooking up with guys, <laughs> I wouldn't want it to be like my buddies. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to, you know, I mean, that's what I feel like all these stories, that's what it always comes back to. Girls and their friends and they start hooking up. So then I guess, and again, I know I'm, I'm really asking no one this question because I am operating. And if, it, if the one female listener is my wife. Uh, knowing where she is on this, I know that she isn't going to be able to give any feedback, but if you're a girl, is that your comfort level? Like I'm kind of, or, or have you always been attracted to your friend? I don't know. I mean, maybe what, just is it more, just a comfortable thing? That's what I think that maybe if they're just, they just want to dabble and see what it's like. They want it to be someone they're comfortable with. Yeah. But like, I wouldn't be like. Hey, I know I've known you. We went to high school together, but you know, mind if I jerk you off? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm curious of what's doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just yes. like to me that I have a tougher time. Like if if I if I was like I gotta go down this road, the curiosity's killing me. I just it wouldn't be with like my buddy after <laughs> after a few drinks on the golf course. Well, that can you ruin your relationship? Yeah, with your buddy, I, mean, I would think there's gonna be ramifications. But it's it sounds like different. this is what's go. This, I mean, anytime this stuff comes up, it's like fr girl friends. So then, of course, what I want to be the case is they're hooking up anyway. But what is probably the case is tee hee hee will do it. Yeah, that's what I think. Or the okay, we're drunk and we'll get attention like at the younger ages, like the late teens, early twenties thing. That's when the the sapphic play. I don't know. It'd be great. I don't even know if we've ever gotten a fucking email from a girl on this show, <laughs> honestly. So, I mean, it's a, this is essentially like I'm doing a speech at St. Louis U High. I'm talking to all men. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess for those of you who have had MFFs, if you don't want to care to go into as much detail as Dave did with his, was, like, how did it go down? And it sounds like most of the time it's the, the women know each other going into it. I mean, and if you're I, a female listener, mail in. Yeah, I mean, We'd I, like would to hear from I would love it. I just I don't know how many there are. Uh, T McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Yeah, but this is this was this was a nice score for Dave. I tip my cap. God, that's great. That's so good. That's just so good. I, I'm just. Uh, <laughs> I really. I mean, I really. It just puts me in a great place. And then you throw in a picture. It's kind of like bikini model Brittany. Even then, yeah. like, I'm like, I know this is 100 fake, but the picture is wonderful. Puts he me sends in, a good in place. great pictures. I mean, he really she does. Sends yes, in great thank pictures. you very much. Not a 59 year old real estate agent <laughs> male. Now, this, and this is amazing. This is the thing about this podcast. We can go from that to this. Tim, I've been having an issue with religion the past few years. Like many in the St. Louis region, I grew up in a strong Catholic family, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, and attended mass every Sunday. During this time, I never had any doubts about God or my faith. I stopped going to church during college and really never got back into it. I always thought that my Catholic faith would come back to me at some point. I'm 29 now, and I really don't see it coming back to me ever. I know that's a fairly young age to make such a strong statement, but the concept of a religion just does not work for me. Why spend so much of an already short time on earth worrying about life after death? My wife and I are expecting our first child next spring. She's in the same boat as me as far as where she's at in our faith. I really have no idea what to do in terms of teaching our kid what to do for religious purposes. I could send them to Catholic programs, but wouldn't that be hypocritical both parents don't believe it. Do you or anyone know, uh, do you or anyone you know have any experience in this type of situation, not just the Catholic faith, but any religion? Uh, name is withheld. And then he sent a follow-up the next day. Tim, reflecting on my email a little more, I've always had this guilt in the back of my mind about not wanting to raise my kids under the influence of religious belief. As previously stated, I was raised under the belief that there is no other way to view religion. 
Even as a kid on religion class, I would think about the other religions in the world. Everyone assumes that they have the correct gods and that there is no other way. So if only one is correct, then that means everyone else is going to some type of hell. It just doesn't make sense to me. I know I'll end up having my child baptized, but it's only because that's what I'm expected to do, not because I actually want the baby to be baptized. I do believe in what most religions stand for, however, being respectful to each other, performing good deeds, etc. Perhaps that is enough to raise a child under religious influence. Thanks, and again, I'm withheld. I love the question. It's a great question. That's the thing. We can go from uh, MFFs to, uh, to this. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I love doing the podcast. Well, I'm living it, in a sense, right now. Um, I'm living the decision, so to speak. Um, so Pete, you're on, this is good also that you don't have children. So you can kind of view it from the outside looking in and I'm actually in it. And I really do not know. Our son is now three, uh, three years, one month. And I really have no idea where he will attend what we called as Catholic school kids, grade school, what my wife is a public school last called elementary school and then middle school and then what junior high and so on and so forth. I really don't know. Um, I, and, and that's all I can say. My wife is Lutheran. I'm Catholic. I make no secret of my agnosticism. Um, but in my opinion, um, this is my opinion, and it's only coming from a very, I mean, it's only coming from my own experience. But I guess I can look at my peers that I think, and I think some other people who didn't go there feel this way, uh, that the education you receive at St. Louis U High is actually worth it. I, I suppose there's got to be a point where you go, okay, it's gotten to a point now where it's not worth it because it's it's the, the the bubble on the Catholic educations or private schools in St. Louis. It has to burst. It is, it's college costs for high school. It's just absurd. Um, I don't believe that that's the case for all of these schools, but I think it's a status thing. Um, Pete, you went to DeSmet. It's a Jesuit school. I think there really is something to a Jesuit education. And this is coming from somebody who's agnostic, which means you're in theology classes. I don't remember if we had theology every day. We didn't have it every day, no. But I mean, it certainly was part of the core curriculum yeah. without question. So it'd be the same deal if I sent my son to a Catholic grade school, which my wife is open to, even though we both don't want organized religion in his life. But yet I am a huge huge. I mean, it's, it, I, it's like, you know, at it, it, first the rule I was telling my son, what's the rule? The rules be cool. I'm going to be freaking out. That's the only rule you need to know. Be cool. Well, now I'm in the, the most important thing for you is to treat everybody how you want to be treated. And I'm just going to drill that into his head until I'm gone. That's it. Which is essentially, it's not essentially, it is the golden rule. It's not proprietary to Christianity, but it is tied to Christianity. I certainly many people around here in a heavily Christian area. Um, but you know, as far as organized religion, it is, it's just not, it's not my thing. I make no secret of that, but I'm also not somebody who wants organized religion to go away. Um, it's just not my thing. And I hope people can respect that. It's not my thing. Just like I respect people who, who practice whatever faith. Yeah. Um, so that's a tough thing when you're in our spot as parents where we don't want religion. And then people say, well, then just go to you know, especially we live in the Kirkwood school district, go to Kirkwood. But then it's like, well, if I want him to go to, if he wants to, and he can get in, I should say, uh, St. Louis U High, and shit, I don't even know if it's 50% if I'll live here by then. Um, well, now all of a sudden he's getting hit with something that he's never heard anything about, ever. I mean, I mean, a, a, some, but yet for, you know, there's 250 people in my class, I think it's 270 now that go there. 
uh, per class. For almost all of them, that is something they had been learning about for the last eight years. And that's a real issue because it's part of the core curriculum, which will therefore factor into his GPA. So then you got that. So it's a whole thing. And, you know, while there isn't a huge difference between, are you Catholic? I yeah, so. yeah, I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic schools all through high school. And both your parents Catholic? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, there isn't a huge difference between, I don't even know if it was a Lutheranism or it's my son's religion, <laughs> I guess. Shows how locked in I am. Uh, and Catholicism, there are differences. Um, and, you know, I don't know. It's a thing, man. And it's like, it's like, we know it's coming. It's kind of like I talk about November, 2020. It's coming. There's nothing we can do. It's not, not happening. This is the same deal. It's not, not happening. We'll have to make a decision. And it's also one of those things that some people are really hypersensitive to and take it. It could be the people who are Catholic school people right now listening to this going, well, I don't think it'd be good for you to go there if you don't believe, you know, you could have that, uh, or send your son there. And then on top of it, he's not even Catholic because he was baptized at a Lutheran church, which I guess is kind of the way, you know, we were both, we both didn't want to do it just like this gentleman's email, but just to like appease parents, we just did it. And like, and, you know, I mean, if you, don't, if you don't believe it means anything, it's like, you're not precluding anything. He's shit four months old. It's like, he knows what's going on. So he can go in there and makes people happy. We, we didn't lose anything from our standpoint because in our minds, it doesn't mean anything. So, you know. We made people happy. We didn't lose anything. There you go. Our son doesn't know what's going on, so we just do it. But I understand that. I mean, there are a lot of people. I, I know m multiple people who have the same kind of experience. We didn't want to do it, but for our parents, we did it. And then on the other side, people are hypersensitive because they're, I don't know what the right word would be. I'll use the word insecure, which, of course, is a, a trigger word, and it's not intended to be about, about public schools. And then it becomes, well, you think you're better because you went to private school, that type of shit, which is like I like to make light of with the I don't do manual labor because I went to St. Louis U High. That stupidity, it's not about that. It's about I just think that there was truly something. When I look at my peers who went to St. Louis U High and what they have done with themselves, it's, you know, it's there's, there's, there's something there. And my wife, who mocks the St. Louis U High thing as somebody who went to Marquette, uh, not the University of, but uh, or Marquette University, but Marquette High School. She goes, yeah, as much as I hate it, and you guys and your stupid shit with your high school, <laughs> I will admit that you know, the guys I know went to St. Louis U High. There is something a little different. And so I think there's value in it. But you know what I mean? Like, how can you send your, like, let's say you had a son who's three, and you didn't want to send him to a, you know, you don't want religion in his life, but you felt strongly about DeSmet where you went. And then all of a sudden he's a freshman there and he's learning about stuff that he's never heard anything about. I mean, why would we talk about it? We're not going to talk about it. I mean, it's not something we talk about. Not it's not like a conscious effort. It's just that we don't talk about it. it. You know, it's like the NBA on St. Louis Sports Radio. It just doesn't talk, it's talked about. So I don't know. What would you do? I think there's a lot of positive tenets along with the, the religious schooling, you know, that are good. Like I went, I went through all Catholic schools and now I consider myself agnostic, but I appreciate my experience. And I think I learned a lot of positive things getting that education. So I wouldn't be opposed to putting my son or daughter through it. And then eventually they're going to make their own decision anyway. So yeah. if they decide that's what they want to keep doing, they can keep doing yeah, it. I agree, not, I agree to, big you know? time. And that's, the, and that's why if I had to, like, if it were only my call, I would advocate for the Catholic school, right. like, and then we've talked about some of these schools that are non, whatever, not religious schools, but private. 
And I'm like, well, that's great, but here's how much it costs. You know, I mean, it's nuts. And the, the good public schools around here are fantastic. They too. are. They are. I. It, it's just. But again, I think that Saint. Again, for me, this is the Saint Louis U High thing, which right. I, it's. A, it, this is just like inviting hate mail. It won't even be hate mail. It must be like a passive aggressive thread. But it's. It to me, there really is value. I couldn't fucking care less if you went to the University of Missouri, I or was in a fraternity. I mean, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. That 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 was a from my experience. That's a you know whatever. But the Saint Louis U High thing actually I think has value and so that's that's kind of how I'm playing out the hand so once you do decide to go to take your pick of whatever Catholic grade school now you are basically setting them on that track to go to a Catholic high school again operating on the premise that this is where we live so it's a real thing so with regard to you know and, and I've I've said it before on official title of the podcast on the podcast my actual my experience was freshman year at St. Louis U High going, God, I, I remember specifically thinking it. How could anybody not believe in God? I'm 14 years old. Might have been 13, actually. I started high school at 13. Um, and then by my senior year, I remember thinking, how could anybody believe in God? So in the, that four years' time, which I believe was the theology class, because the Jesuit education teaches critical thought, it, and, which I think is brilliant, because then if you do come away from it with faith, your faith has been tested. It has not been dogmatic. And that's what I said to my wife about my, my experience. I don't know you remember our religion class in grade school. You're, you're memorizing the catechism. You're memorizing. That's what it is. You're not like, you know, rationalizing the, the, the story of the resurrection. You're, you're mem so it's a memory test. Now, that's what mine was. I don't know what's going on now. So I go, he's not learning anything. Anyway. It's just like he's, it's like reading a story. You know, some people obviously live by the story. Others don't. But you're reading a story. So I don't see, I don't know. It's a thing, though. It really is a thing, especially in this city. It's a thing. I'm torn. I'm torn. I mean, again, we don't have to make the decision now, but the decision's going to have to be made. What uh, age do you have to make that decision? I don't know. I started kindergarten at St. Gabriel's. I was four. But I was in one of those weird birthdays in September, you know. Yeah, so you don't have long. you got to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's for real. It's, it's, it's within two years. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I, this is my understanding is, you know, with these schools, and they kind of become their communities, their own little communities, and the parents are super involved and all that. And I think that's a positive, too. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I've I, 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 I hesitate even. I'd rather, like, if I gave a take on Donald Trump, it'd be better than talking about this, you know? because it's just going to lead to, because it's such a, and it's, it hits closer to home for people because it's, and it's not a judgment that this is my own thing. I don't think, I can't imagine there are too many people in St. Louis who are as forthright about their agnostic beliefs uh, as I am, because it is a really negative EV play in St. Louis, which is so heavily religious, especially Catholic, but certainly religious. And it's not common, you know? I've said it before. I think we could have a gay president before we would have, an atheist president. I, yeah. I mean, it's just like, don't even think twice about that bet actually, which 20 years ago, it might've sounded like impossible. And now I think it's like a lock uh, because there's that kind of, I don't even know what the right word is. Prejudice for lack of a better term uh, against somebody who doesn't share especially Christian beliefs in what is some would like to be a theocracy. Um, so, I don't know, man. I don't know. I So I can relate to this email in a major way. Um, but I mean, God, if my son wound up being a, a passionate Catholic or Lutheran, I guess, I guess because he's Lutheran, uh, 
then great. It's not like be like, whoa, we want because <laughs> the tenets of the teachings, the right. tenets of the teachings, not the political interpretations to better our lives or our people's lives. The tenets of the teaching are beautiful. It's the hijacking of the Bible that grosses me out. It makes me ill. I cannot stand it. I have one of the questions we got last week, and I just because it was very brief. I probably could still. Uh, here it is. Greetings, Tim. Political question here. What is it about the Democratic Party that makes you lean that way? What are the beliefs Democrats have that make you side with the party? This isn't an antagonistic question by any means. Just curious. Thanks. That's from Jim. Uh, and we didn't get to it last week, but I just remember it. And it was easy to remember because first off, it was wrong. But then secondly, it was it was brief. And um, and I and I laughed because I'm like, why do you think I'm a Democrat? And I like I know I'm not a Democrat. <laughs> I would not vote for Donald Trump under any circumstances. It just wouldn't happen. It's not like why are you a supporter of Biden because he's not Donald Trump. I'm not a huge Joe Biden fan. I'm not a huge Kamala Harris fan at all. But this situation is in another world. In another world, I can't believe it. If you're not voting for Trump, you're a huge lib. That's and, what I've been told yeah. by my friends. Oh, I that like Trump. I'm just like, well, I'm not even a huge lib. I just hate Donald Trump. In the in the 2016 Missouri primary, who did I vote for? Trump or Clinton? Neither. John Kasich. So, I mean, it gives you an idea of where I am. I voted for George W. Bush in 2000. I think the world of Barack Obama and still do. But I would have voted for John McCain had it been John Edwards, for example, or Hillary Clinton. Had Hillary Clinton gotten the coronation she was supposed to get in 2008, I would have been voting for John McCain. So I say often, it's more for me about the person than it actually is about the policy. Because the policy is most likely not, most likely, now we're seeing exceptions here, most likely not going to impact my life. But the person, if the person is not going to act in the greater good when he or she has a decision to make that could be landmark for not just the country but the world, that is a problem. And that is what I think we had both in 2016 with Clinton and Trump. I didn't think that was limited to Trump, but I thought the lesser of the two evils was Clinton. So I voted for her. But in 2004, I remember saying on the radio or 2008, I can't imagine a scenario in which I would vote for Hillary Clinton. I couldn't, I mean, I said it on the radio, Bucks will probably pull the audio. And there was our scenario. So it's, it's inaccurate. I think I'll, I'll here, I'll poke some holes, but, but the, how would, how'd we get on it? I loathe more than anything I was asked this, I don't even remember, I think it was out on the golf course, uh, whereas you can imagine there aren't a whole lot of people who would be on the left side of things. And so they like to make fun of the fact that I don't vote for Donald Trump. It's like, I'm like, oh, make fun of it all you want. I'm very, very, very comfortable in the position. <laughs> uh, and um, and they said, why, why are you a support? Oh, yeah, it was after a round of golf. Great guy, too. Was two of my friends, one who is huge, working huge liberal, legitimately huge liberal, incredibly wealthy, incredibly brilliant, huge liberal. And then another guy who, and I had never really discussed politics. I'm just having a beer in the bar afterwards. And he goes, where are you? And I said, I don't, I said, the best way to describe it is I think the guy right now is dangerous. Uh, I didn't really feel that way in 2016. As I often say, I was more concerned about Eric Greitens the morning after the election than I was Donald Trump. So I was wrong. Uh, well, I guess depends on your perspective. I'm comfortable saying I was wrong and I can't believe what has happened. And I'm even more confused by how other people aren't 
seeing it, but I guess it depends on where you get your information. But then my major priority is this. I don't believe religion should be in government, not because I'm anti-religion, but because everybody's religious morals and religions are different. So what I have seen and been able to pay attention to really for the last 30 years, even though I think it goes back 40 years of the Republican Party utilizing religion to win votes, as in one becomes the party of God and one becomes therefore the opposite, so therefore <laughs> the bad people, uh, is grotesque. I get why it was done strategically. I don't believe most of the people in control in the Republican Party really feel that way. I, I mean, my God, I don't believe that. Obviously, the guy in the White House. I can't imagine anybody. Now, they might be like, yeah, he doesn't feel that way, but the justices he appoints do, and we care about abortion, and that, and then, and then it's like, okay, I get it. Uh, I, I can't go down that trail because I don't share that view, and to me, if you're going to uh, talk the talk, you walk the walk, but, you know, some people are able to, to perform the mental gymnastics, and God bless them, I guess. I guess it's an easier way to lay your head on the pillow at night. Um, but from my standpoint, to utilize religion as a way to curry favor, whether it be with votes or with business, is grotesque. That is my own personal thing. There are advertisers, or there were advertisers in St. Louis, who would promote that they were closed on Sundays. Yeah. And I thought it was gross. Gross. Because I knew what they were doing. And I thought that is exactly from my 12 years of Catholic education, what I recall Jesus speaking out against, the modern-day Philistine, uh, the, you know, wearing it on their chest, but for own self-gain, the people sitting in the front row at church. The Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That type of behavior. I remember interviewing Brad Soderbergh. Random story here. Super random. Coach of the Billikens. And kind of did a feature, and how, it, as it turned out, it was such a weird thing. His team at Wisconsin, which he was the interim for, and they lost in the NCAA tournament, and they only lost because one of the guys missed two free throws, and then they decided to part ways with him, which then led to him becoming Lorenzo Romar's assistant, and then when Lorenzo Romar left to go to Washington, he became the head coach, and he had things going in a good direction, not nearly what Majerus had it going, but he had things going in a good direction, you know, before Majerus got here. And I did a feature on him, and I, I don't know what I asked him, but it got. But I said, "You're you're a person." I, somehow we got on the topic of religion. He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "It's incredibly important to me, but for me personally, it's not something that I, the way I handle my faith is I don't believe it's something that I want to talk about publicly. Not because I'm ashamed of it; I'm very proud of it. But that's just not the way that I learned about religion. And I realize. I mean, now look at Kurt Warner. Somebody who was the first thing he says after the Rams win the Super Bowl. Thank you, Jesus. I don't look down on Kurt Warner for that. That's Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner also walked the walk. Um, but it's this fraud shit. Urban Meyer. Or what, what is he? He uh, annoys me. Tells oh, like, right. See, I didn't even know he was in Tells that. recruits that God wants him to come play football. Really? <laughs> yeah. Did you read this on Tiger Board or is this like a real thing? I don't read Tiger Board. I don't know how many times I got to say this. <laughs> I can watch the game and make my own opinion. I don't need <laughs> randos telling me what happened in the game. Uh... So that is that is how I would answer the question. I am, I mean, can you imagine if Donald Trump were pro-choice? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you even imagine? And I think it's that simple. I honestly think it's that simple. I know that sounds fucked up. No, I agree with you. I, it's that simple. If Donald Trump were pro-choice, the religious people in this country would be 
they'd just, they will they would have spontaneously combusted by now. I mean, he wouldn't even have made it out. He wouldn't even gotten down to the final eight of the Republican primary in 2016. It you know I mean it's that simple. And I feel like it's like if there are two things that I think deserve great attention regarding politics in the United States in 2020 and really getting to this point, it's religion. And I'm not talking about like religion being the problem, but how it's so divided on religion because of the abortion issue and or the rationalization of policies that are actually, relatively speaking, discriminatory, but justified by hijacking certain passages from the Bible, which is a fucking phenomenon that goes back to the civil rights era and probably before actually goes back to slavery and probably goes back before that to some other historic event before the United States. And, and, and then, then how that will line people up to go, well, I'm with the party of God. It's an amazing thing. Well, Joe Biden's Catholic. Yeah, but he's pro-choice, so he's not really Catholic. <laughs> uh, or John Kerry, when he, Catholic, couldn't receive communion. Why? Divorce. So I can't get communion. I'm divorced. I can't get it. Uh, phenomenal. But whatever. That's the deal. Okay, fine. You know, I don't have to participate. They don't have to let me participate. And then the media. I mean, I'm telling you, Pete, I watch it. I, I, I tried to, I'm like, okay, I think NBC nightly news can be a place where they're just reporting and it's not, but even with that, I notice what they do and it's just, and I'm not saying, and then the thing about it is I don't think it's intentional. I don't think it's intentional. So this isn't watching Tucker Carlson or Rachel, Rachel Maddow. This is the quote unquote news. And even then it's like many people say, you know, so we can, we can, <laughs> we can mock Trump for what a lot of people are saying. You know, but it's the, the media, a lot of, many people say his, you know, he wants to appeal to his base with the selection of Amy Coney Barrett, a social conservative who is a devout Catholic and teacher, former law professor at Notre Dame or whatever the case might be. And you go, well, who? Cite a fucking source. Just cite one to say, you know, this, you know, I mean, you can't do that shit. You know, people were surprised by how unhinged Donald Trump became. no. That's not reporting. That's not report. Listen, I think he's unhinged. I absolutely do. But that's not how you report that. That is framing a narrative. And that is not journalism. That is wrong. It's editorial. You're exactly right. It's wrong. So all of this moral high ground from those types of places looking down at MSNBC or CNN or Fox News or whatever it is, they're doing the same shit. It's just being done in a more benign, subtle way. And it frames a narrative for the viewers or even the readers. And it, and I mean, it's, it's super problematic. I don't know the solution to it, but I just see it. And I feel like these are the two biggest issues. These are the two biggest issues. Cause I think it's how we got to where we are. Uh, let me talk about James Carlson because, uh, James Carlton, excuse me, because I'm a huge fan of his and I switched to him and, uh, he is in Webster Groves. And he's at 314-961-4800. Or you go online at carltoninsurance.net. Staff keeps growing. I love seeing it because that means his business keeps growing. And his business should keep growing because of the way he operates. And he operates with the best when it comes to customer service. Just the absolute best. It's going to save you money. And the way, wait, what do you mean by great customer service? Well, if you're, if you're behind on a policy or if you're doing something right now, it's costing you money, you make, you make the switch. And the next thing you know is you're saving money. Or... Or they're taking care of it for you. They do. You make the switch, they do all the paperwork for you. 314-961-4800. Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. James Carlton is the one who introduced me to Jim Rogers of Restoration One. When all hell was breaking loose, when we were having issues with our home and our basement flooding, James said, well, the guy you got to call is 
Jim Rogers. Jim Rogers with Restoration One. Well, I'm glad he did tell me that because the next thing I know, Jim is over in our house and he is saving the day. He is absolutely saving the day. It's Restoration One of Central St. Louis dot com. Restoration the number one of Central St. Louis dot com. Jim Rogers is his name. And even in a spot where you don't have any issues going on with your home. When you do, you want to make sure you have somebody's name and number because you, it's, you're not going to have a lot of time. And in my, my case, it was a Saturday night when it was all happening. Uh, and so you have somebody that you can take care of your issues. Uh, it's Jim Rogers, Restoration One of Central St. Louis, Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. He's a great guy, and he will take care of any damage to your home that you are experiencing. Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com or call. Uh, 314-888-5266, 314-888-5266. All right, let me go to one or two more. Let's see what we got. Gangster Pete, tick-tock, tick-tock. A lot coming in. Uh, well, this is kind of along the same theme. Hey, Tim, I was listening to last week's QFTA, and I was wondering if you had any insight on what drives so many pro-lifers to be strictly about preventing abortions. I also went to St. Louis U of I, have Catholic and pro-life parents, but I'm no longer into religion. What absolutely perplexes me about the fanaticism of the pro-lifer is they seem absolutely uninterested in preventing unwanted pregnancies. If stopping abortions is their goal, why are they typically so against furthering education, permitting access to other contraceptives, allowing women to receive contraceptives as part of their insurance, etc.? Thanks. It comes from Austin. Uh, P.S. Caller Kyle's call was talking about Dan Carlin's Common Sense podcast, a political show, and he used to post regularly, but since Trump has really slowed down, but since Trump, he's really slowed down as he doesn't see a lot of upside in it anymore. Uh, but this Monday episode was great. Yeah, somebody told me that. I got to listen to that. I got to listen to that thing. Uh, Pete, we, we've talked about this quite a bit because it, it weaves into the religion question and or the voting for Trump thing, um, which is the pro-life issue. Um, I, I want to disagree with a premise, not because I know it to be wrong, but I don't necessarily know it to be right. And that's how that's I try to I was, this That's thing. what I was thinking too. Like, the, if stopping's abort, so I want to read yeah, that again. If stopping abortions is their goal, why are they typically so against furthering education, permitting access to other contraceptives, allowing women to receive contraceptives as part of their insurance, et cetera? Uh, yeah, I disagree with that. It may be true, but it certainly isn't across the board. I don't know how all of this happened. I actually would be curious, and probably somebody's going to send me a great link for a story as to what happened. How the Catholic Church, and I guess Christianity as a whole, got tied into the abortion issue. Because obviously, pre-Roe versus Wade, there was not an issue to discuss, at least with the passion that you have now with overturning this, which could very well happen, although it is... Contrary to what many people think, it is more of a state-by-state -state issue. The Supreme Court can overturn it. It's not going to then mean abortions are outlawed throughout the land. Uh, I don't know how many people are really aware of that. But either way, neither here nor there, um, for the purpose of what he's asking is why. Why? I don't have an answer to the why. I just know it is, I mean, growing up at St. Gabriel's, Tam and Nottingham, and every January, which I guess would be the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, they would put out a bunch of crosses on the front lawn of St. Gabriel's and the total of babies murdered uh, in the United States since Roe versus Wade. It was just something that was tied to the, the, the faith, which, of course, you know, did not start the day of Roe v. Wade. Uh, 
you know, it's 2000 years old. So how this got wrapped in, I don't, I don't know. I just know. So that's the thing. That's why I say religion and media are the two things that are driving the chaos. Um, because you are either with the party of God or you are not, and you are either with your pastor, your priest, your monsignor, whatever the case might be, or you're not. And I don't think most people want to go against their religious authority. So if the religious authority is telling you being pro-choice is anti-God, then you want to be on the side of God. I know I'm simplifying it, but I think that is how. And so Donald Trump, while seemingly, you know, certainly not (laughs) what you would necessarily think of when you would think of that, but he is on the side of God because of the abortion issue. And then therefore (laughs) he has the support of many Catholics and evangelicals and Christians. And isn't he a recent convert to uh, the side of God in that issue? uh, That is correct. Yeah. Convenient. It is. So I don't know how or why I'd be curious why. I mean, listen, it, it, the issue is this simple. The issue is this simple. There is no solution. There is no real solution. But the issue is this simple. Do you believe that the child inside the mother is a living being at whatever date you even want to set? Right, right at contraception is the view for many, uh, which some go, that's just ridiculous. And then others go, how can you say it's ridiculous? It's alive. It continues to breathe. It continues to grow. And that, that to me is the, because if, if somebody really believed they were killing a baby, would they be pro-abortion, you know? Um, and it, then it's, you know, it's, and then it gets framed as a women's right thing. Oh, so you're, you're a misogynist if you're not, you know, and it's just, it's a, it's a, it's just, it's, it's something else. Uh, as far as you, I mean, you can't even discuss it because you, you can't, can't really win. go into that. You can't win. I mean, you cannot win. But I, but as far as the question of how it got, which isn't even necessarily a question, but how the two got so intertwined, I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. I just know that it absolutely is, and it is responsible for a large portion of the Republican vote and has been at the very least since 1980, and maybe that's where they saw the opportunity. We have Watergate here in seven. It was Roe versus Wade, 72 or 3, and uh, you have Watergate, so the Republican Party's in disarray. They're like, like a monster minority. There's 73. A, 73. Monster minority in the Senate. Uh, and we got to, and, you know, Jimmy Carter's uh, not a successful president. And we got to do something here because, we, you know, and here comes Jerry Falwell. And now we've got a partnership. And away we go. And we've been going that way for 40 years because that was not the way things were before that. So how it happened, I don't know. I just know that it has happened and it really does boil down to the abortion issue. So, you know, it's, of course there are other elements, there are other branches on the tree, but the trunk of the tree is the abortion issue. And, and therefore you will have people voting against what is their own economic interest because, but they would rather do that than vote against God and the Republicans of the party of God in that mindset. So that's how it gets there. So, do with it what you want, but that is, that's my summation to the question. I disagree with the premise that other, now that doesn't mean that plenty of people are not for funding contraceptives, but, um, it's, I, I wouldn't label that across the board. 
Wow, I got another one. I didn't even know I had them. Erotic so story? Many, yeah. And I, hadn't even, I haven't even opened this one up. I have no idea where these are going. Sup, Tim. Sup, Smoke. So I have a similar story to Alan Dadeville. Oh, why are these all MMFs? <laughs> Fuck. Is, are none of you having threesomes with two women? You can do it, guys. Uh, uh, I have a similar story to Alan Dadeville. A girl I went to high school with had recently slid into my DMs after about a week of flirting via... Oh, this is interesting. Oh, he's going to so share? This is recent. This is interesting. Right. A girl I went to high school with had recently slid into my DMs. After about a week of flirting via DMs, she invites me over one night after the bar is closed. But I was driving and I had a buddy with me, of course. So I was in the tight spot, in the tight spot. I mentioned to her I wasn't alone, and she said that was fine because she had a friend with her. We arrived at her house about five minutes later and continued drinking. The girl that invited me over wasn't interested in waiting, and we headed straight to her room. These stories also, these stories always have two guys, and the girls are always just, they can't wait for these, <laughs> for our listeners to fuck them. It's an amazing, our, our podcast emailers are so fuckable that when they show up on the scene, there's no waiting. And all these guys are, I mean, it's an amazing thing. I really am now living vicariously through the listener. I never had that experience. Never, never, ever, ever did I have that experience. I've, I mean, for I guess a lot of part of it, I'm sure, is my height. But also, I was in relationships like forever, and so there weren't really those opportunities. But even if I were single, I'm still confident in saying I wouldn't have had this happen. So for those of you experiencing it, God bless you. Uh, now I'm in this girl's bed, and she is an absolute freak. Of course, nothing is off the table. Um, he gets into some vivid things here. This goes on for about 30, 40 minutes. So as we're talking, I mentioned that it sucks that your girl wasn't into my boy. She tells me that she's into him. So I tell her to go get him. Are people just making these things up? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think people are just fucking with us at this time. Oh, these assholes will read anything. <laughs> <laughs> she goes into the living room naked and starts giving him a lap dance. He thought she was joking, so he didn't take her up on the offer. I don't want my boy sitting out there by himself. So I tell her that I'm going to go. We jump in the truck and head to the cul-de-sac to turn around and exit the neighborhood. I get a text that says, tell him I'm serious and I want both of you. Is this really just going on this much? Are these MMFs just like, are we are we rampant with MMFs? Are we lousy with MMFs? It sounds like we might be. I mean, this is, I'm telling you. God, a lot changes, like 20 years. So on the way out, we pull back into the driveway and go inside. She had handcuffed her hands behind her back and told us to do whatever we wanted. I already got mine, so I, hold, I told him we would have an Eiffel Tower. So we end up getting after it for a little bit. Nothing was going to happen for me, so I bailed. Well, so it sounds like he couldn't get there. As I'm getting dressed, I notice that they are kissing. To this day, when I see my buddy, I ask him how my dick tastes. That is a wonderful little erotic <laughs> I think story. that whole thing was written for the last line. <laughs> it's from the Crystal City Clamhammer. I mean... Is my request for erotic stories being abused? <laughs> I mean, these are. I mean, listen. I I appreciate it. Maybe I need to look in the mirror on these things, because every one of them seems to be about an MMF, and and there's a common theme. MMF. The women are reaching out to our listeners. The listener arrives on the scene. The women essentially pull the listener into the room because the women just can't wait. And then the listener, not the woman initially, by the way, 
the listener in every one of these invites his buddy in. <laughs> in every one of these fucking things I've read since we started reading these things, it's a the, the inviting the buddy thing is what I, I mean, have trouble grasping. I've then, never well, once kind of, thought, oh, I need to get yeah, my buddy in. Where's, where's G unit? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I'm I, I which kind of goes back to the thing with the M, which was wound up not being an MMF or an MFF. It wound up being an MMFF, where the girls are hooking up with their friends. And I guess maybe this is maybe my thing is weird that like yeah, I mean, I don't really want I don't want to see my my friends naked. I don't want them around if I'm engaging. I just don't love my friends, but that's not where it is. If it's a stranger where there's no rapport, I'm more comfortable with that situation than I would be with my friend, much less, oh, my buddy's over. (laughs) Hey, let me invite him in, which is the theme of every single one of these fucking stories. It's amazing. But maybe that's the, maybe I'm in the minority. God bless the listeners. This is their thing. And apparently they are very, very desirable. Let's see what else we got. We got so many more. Holy shit. And, uh, let's see. We're at 1155. I'll do one more. Um, let's see. This one's about the Supreme Court, so I'm going to pass on that. I feel like we talked about it a decent amount. Um, I found the social dilemma on Netflix to be very interesting. If you've seen it, I would be interested to hear your thoughts. We started watching. It was one of those nights where I couldn't keep my eyes open. I was so tired. Have you watched it yet? I haven't watched it, but I've heard really good things from a lot of people, so it's on my list. I've watched half of it, but I was falling asleep, and it wasn't because it wasn't good. It was just one of those nights where I couldn't keep my right. eyes open. Like last night, I was dying. I was so fucking tired. Um, so um, I haven't watched it. I do want to watch it, and I'll save this question and not delete it uh, because I want to make sure that uh, that um, we, we get to it. I'll our, watch it before next week. There we go. There's our promise to the audience. Uh, let's see. Supreme Court related. Uh, okay, here we go. This is good because it's kind of uh, radio centric, but it's going to allow me to set some records straight too. Hey, Tim, I was listening to an episode of QFTA where you discussed, this will be our final one, where you discussed buying the station and the negotiations that go into it. Uh, I probably didn't go into it in detail because I haven't gone into it in detail, but I, I know it's been a topic and I've addressed it in a very, you know, from a 30,000 foot uh, view. It got me thinking about what a station that you owned would look like and what the overall feel would be. So I have a few multi-layered questions. What do you see the growth of TMA and Inside STL looking like? Do you see the show being syndicated, perhaps with stations outside of St. Louis, but close enough that advertisers would view the stations as opportunities? Do you see TMA becoming bigger than that, or do you feel it will always be a local St. Louis show? I think it would be interesting to own and operate a station. Uh, I would agree with the interesting part. Of course, it would be a huge responsibility since the decisions ultimately come down to the owner. Uh, the fantasy radio game of programming the station has already been asked, but what I am curious about is if you had your own station to run, would you target a specific gender slash age demographic like men 18 to 49, for example, or would you target something broader like people who enjoy sports? I guess simply put, would you want a sports station or would you want a station similar to TMA's as a show? There is some sports contact, but it's more of a personality-driven entertainment show, at least to me. Again, I think the journey is fascinating. The pursuit of buying the station is very interesting to me, so I should enjoy this inside talk. Take care. Thanks. It's from Nick. So at the outset, anytime this comes up, I want to make it clear. There is an assumption that I am actively trying to, and it is my life's quest to own KFNS, and that is not accurate. And I don't know how that happened. Um, but it is not accurate. 
but that does not mean that at some point I would not buy Kavanaugh's. There's just there's a there's there's room in between those two statements for truth. So I think I, I think that there is a um, I, I don't know how else to say it. I guess just outside of just being truthful, I don't think I'm doing anything that would be wrong here. But I also know that up until shit the last few months, I didn't even know a lot about this stuff. Um, and I guess most people don't, you know, Pete, you might, um, from, you know, having an MBA and a business background, uh, different classes of shares and raising capital and so on and so forth and, in bank fund financing. I, I don't want to, it's when you're talking about in an individual's money, like a thousand dollars to me is even for a small business is like, either $10 or $100 or a dollar, maybe even a penny to a business. So that's something that I didn't really grasp when I started inside STL. I'm not sure I grasp it now. So it's weird when you talk about money because most people don't own businesses or didn't or weren't part of a group that started a business or, or those types of things. So then if you say the, the word, anything that's a dollar figure, it can be like, oh, that means Tim has that money. Tim, I can assure you, does not have that money. I have investors. Uh, we of course have is, and I don't say anybody, but God, most people could get a loan from a bank or a line of credit, whatever the case might be seriously. But I also know most people don't go down this road, so they wouldn't know this. I'm not talking about buying a radio station. I'm talking about just starting a business in general. So that, that part needs to be clear. I'm not going to go into pricing and, and any of that stuff. That would not be right. But, um, I want to make, I want to make that clear. Um, so the journey being fascinating, the pursuit of buying the station is very interesting to me. So I want to make it clear. The pursuit thing isn't, you know, the biggest issue. There, I can't even go into that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and, and at some point, maybe I will. And then people go, oh, I can't. It'll be like when I interview Dave Peacock. I can't wait to hear what Dave Peacock has to say. And then the time will come. Now, with Peacock, he couldn't say because of the litigation going on. With me, if I say everything that wound up going on throughout this process, you'd be like, oh, that was kind of boring. Because it's kind of math and ad revenue decision. I mean, it's just that's kind of what it is. It's not. It's not really all that interesting. The stuff like Dan Marshall that was interesting because it was so fucking. You know, it was just it, there wasn't math, obviously. <laughs> uh, and when there was math, it was red. But you know, this is this is this is a, this is this is really kind of a math and in a 2020 climate discussion. Um, so, you know, but you ask, you ask some questions that don't have to do. So I just wanted to set the record straight. Here's why, Pete. Here's why I got on that. We had a guy, and I guess this apparently is a narrative on one of the many fan pages, that I guess the reason it hasn't been done is because I can't get the money. And I don't, and, and, and so to, to, to respond to that, it, it, it could come off the wrong way. Like, well, of course I have the money. Well, I don't have that kind of money, but... I think if I ask you to challenge to the audience to get access to that kind of money, I think easily better than 50% could get that kind of money. Not because you have it in your portfolio or your savings or something like that, but because of access to it. But again, the reason why I started off with that was most people have never gone down the road of starting a business and raising capital, including myself. And so you don't understand the process, just like I didn't understand the process, but getting access to the money is not, is not even, it's not. When we did something back in May, my issue actually was I had too many people, 
Not that that's a bad thing, but it kind of like, okay, I have to kind of pick and choose because the way the business was structured at that time. Now the business is structured differently or it would be structured differently. As I said, class A, class B shares. Um, because class A would be the management shares and class B would be equity. So, but I guess, I guess that's a thing going around. Like people are like, well, how come you haven't bought the station yet? I'm like, well, there's, there's a lot to it, but I'm not going to talk about the details of it. That would be wrong. You know, that's at least for me that I think that's wrong. And I don't think it's helpful. I don't know. I don't know what's accomplished by it. Uh, but I guess that, so anyway, some guy one day just like angry as fuck, weird. Uh, some, <laughs> I don't know if you remember the thread. I had a screenshot sent to me. It was posted on one of the secret fan pages about how my dad couldn't get the money together for me to buy the radio station. So I'm like, where did that, where's this anger? Where's this coming from? It's just, you know, it's just, it's just a hundred percent factually inaccurate, but I guess that's kind of like, maybe that's being put out there to like justify. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, let me just say this. That is false. Again, it's not because I ball so hard and I have seven figures at my disposal whenever I want it. But if you were to pursue a business and raising money, my guess is you could raise capital. And I'm talking to the majority of people. I, and, I, and I guess the only people I would say it might not include is if you have really bad credit. It's pretty easy to get money in 2020. Pete, you agree with this. You, yeah, you, have, you mean, have a better business background than I do. Yeah, I know that you haven't had issue raising capital yeah. either. So Actually, the thing that kind of happened, you put that to kind of behind the uh, kind of behind the scenes inside baseball was, if anything, I have a variety of people involved with this, and Pete knows some of them, uh, and it's great because it's almost like having a Republican and Democrat because they see things differently, which I love, and I love that not everybody agrees with me. It's great, and they're older than me, and they've done infinitely way more with their lives than I have. Uh, and so I love getting their feedback and they don't always agree, which is great. And one of the thought processes was we're just going to have to make this as attractive as possible because in this economic climate, it, you might get a lot of pushback. And we got, I mean, we got, when it came to the people who were in and we sent out the operating agreement and how things were going to be handled, there was zero pushback. And I was just like, it made me feel, you know what it did? It made me feel, I guess in one sense proud, but it, secondarily what it really was shouldn't say secondarily, primarily what it really was, but I'm listing it second, is a greater responsibility to make sure I deliver not only their investment back, but a substantial return on investment. Because these people are betting on me. It's not really about this, you know, station per se, because we could, we've done this at a bunch of different stations and it's worked everywhere. So it's not the station per se. It's what they believe in what we're capable of doing. And that's, that's, that's betting on me. And if somebody's betting on me, I got to deliver, you know, I mean, that's just a, that's a, that's a, that, there's nothing else to say about it. That's period full stop. I got to come through. And if that means working 24 hours a day at, until it's taken care of, then that's what it is. And I take that really seriously in a major, major way. I also take it as a great compliment, but I also take it as a greater responsibility. Um, I don't think I'm saying anything out of school here. But I got together with Mark Monavani a couple of weeks after that election in August. And I was just like, you know, because Mark, you know, he was going to be part of our group. Uh, and then he decided, and I've said this publicly, so I'm not saying anything new. Some people might be hearing it for the first time. But then he decided to run. He said, if I run, I'm not going to be part of the group. And then he decided to run. But he still gives me his opinions and we still talk. And we got together and had a beer. And all I wanted to do was talk about the election. And then we wound up talking about radio because he's very familiar with the situation. And, and I said, God, I said, I just, for the life of me, I am so 
disappointed in what happened. I mean, but I, I'm sitting here talking to the guy who lost, and I feel like an asshole saying <laughs> it. And he goes, yeah. He goes, you're making me feel worse. And he goes, that's the thing. He goes, I don't know how many people have said that to me, that they can't believe it, and they're so disappointed in the result. And he goes, I feel like I personally lost and let them down. And so I hate when people say that, even though I know they're they're saying it from the goodness of their hearts. You know what I mean? And, and when yep. he said it that way, I get it. Um, so he felt a personal responsibility. I feel personal responsibility. Now, these people are giving votes. In my case, people are investing money. Uh, and that's great. I mean, listen, it is, it's a, every person who is, who is a member of our group, uh, contacted me, which is another thing, which is just, I mean, what, what, what a great compliment to the morning after in particular. Um, you know, I mean, for real, this is, I mean, I guess it's not that exciting. The Monomani thing. Mark was walking out of here when we did a podcast one time. Cam was walking in. I didn't know him and Cam knew each other. They didn't know each other. Guess one of Mark's kids played juniors with Cam. And then Cam went into a show and I said, Mark goes, boy, what a great guy. He's, I said, he's the fucking best. I said, if I bought the station, I'd expand his role in a heartbeat because he's so talented. He's so likable. Advertisers like him. And I think he could be, do huge things. I think he's a Kelly Chase Jr. That's what I said. And he goes, oh, you're looking at buying the station. I said, yeah, it's been going on for a while. He goes, well, you know, I'd be interested in that. And that's how it all started. Uh, it was probably like last October, November. So there's a little fun fact, but everybody else who's a part of this group, they contacted me and I mean, what a great thing. And then I have some people who are just like, yeah, if you do a podcast, I'm interested in that. I'm not necessarily interested in radio station. Um, and then there's some people who are like, well, you got to have a radio station, right? So it just kind of depends on your perspective. And I'm not saying there's a right or wrong on that. I, I have, I have a disagreement inside of my group. I don't want to make it sound like it's a like a big thing. It's just a philosophical difference where people, you know, wonder about that. Digressing. The point being regarding that. Yeah. That's in case that's something that's going around. That's just, you know, I mean, I'll swear in a blood oath that that's not the issue. And Pete knows firsthand that that's not the issue, but neither here nor there. Not that a bunch of people are running around saying it. It just, that, that popped up on the fan page. And I'm just like, where in the, my, my dad, my dad, my dad is so tapped out of this thing. And my dad, here's another thing. Fuck, I'll say it. Probably won't play well with some people. My dad doesn't think I should buy the station. My dad doesn't want me to buy the station. Doesn't think I should buy the station. So, you know, on the off chance, you really believe like my dad is the one who's trying to get me money. Are we, re if we're really there, just for the fuck, I'll say it. What does it fucking matter? You know, now if I did, he'd obviously support it, but he just doesn't think it's the right move. And he was the one in who, in 2010, when KFNS was offering me afternoon drive and we were at 1380, uh, but 1380 couldn't pay us anymore. And they said, we can have all the ad inventory and we can keep what we, we sell and fund the show that way. He was the one who said, don't go to KFNS. Timmy, they're both shitholes. If you're going to be <laughs> in a shithole, I'd rather control my own destiny. And that is how Inside STL took over ownership of the morning after that, the content of the morning after we'd license the content out to the stations at which we work. So anyway, there's more background. It seems like people love this stuff, so I'm happy to give it to them without airing anything that's going on. Um, but I also want to set some records straight on some things because it's a little exhausting to read things that are just fucking just like made up. Uh, so anyway, uh, so I have a few multi-layered questions you asked. What do you see the growth of TMA and Inside STL looking like? Do you see the show being syndicated, perhaps with stations outside of St. Louis, but close enough that advertisers review the stations as opportunity? Uh, on the syndication thing, a hundred percent. No, I mean, I think, 
I think the people involved with it, especially when we're at our full roster, uh, are so talented. I think the people who have been involved with it with throughout are so talented. So I'm going back to like Martin Kilcoin, like the very, very beginning. The talent level, I think, is at a different level than most shows. And I'm not speaking about myself here. I'm speaking about ranging from the cat and Doug to, you know, almost every single person who's ever been a producer, board op, even interns who've been, been active on the show. There is a certain talent and a quick wit, an ability. It's This isn't even a talent, really. An ability to get roasted and not not take it personally and then get mad and storm out of this. You know, I mean, it's just, it's it's a very great group of people and personalities and talents and, and ability to kind of get into the culture of it. It's just a, that's a real positive thing. So even if it does come to an end, cause it could, uh, there's a wide Delta on this thing. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be like angry. I'd be like, Holy shit. I got 16 years of doing this thing from seven to 10. Holy, I mean, how fucking lucky, but I don't see it as being a show that's syndicatable because it's local. So that's why I say, no, the talent is syndicatable. The, the, the show's content especially in 2020, it would make no sense for like a station in Indianapolis to pick us up. You know what I mean? Do you see it that way? P? I mean, to me, yeah, I agree with you on Caesar's that. asked me about this before. I agree with you on that. Yeah. It's just not, it's not something that's even like, I mean, maybe like in Colombia, but I mean, what's that going to do? You know I mean? Money wise, I mean, whatever, maybe a few thousand dollars here and there for the business. But I mean, what that's, I don't even know. I don't even know how to work. I mean, maybe I'm missing, maybe I'm leaving dollars on the table. So somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But I mean, what would it be? Columbia, Springfield. I mean, it's not, we're not going into top, 50 markets here. Take over Ned Reynolds. Take over. Yeah. Iggy would be happy about that. Um, the growth of TMA and inside STL looking like, um, I guess with regard to inside STL, inside STL is certainly a part of the business model without question. Inside STL has basically been dormant since we went to, since we came to KFNS in 2016, uh, which was all part of the agreement. Now you still can stream it and everything on inside STL, but it's not, it's not nearly as active as it is. Minus Pete's shirts, um, which you have a new batch uh, coming, don't you? Yeah, we should have some uh, prototypes to look at this week. How about that? Deep tease from Gangster Pete, the fashionista of St. Louis. Um, but that's certainly part of it. That's what. That's another thing that's attractive to the people who contacted me about investing, uh, is everything being under one roof. I would. Say, I guess if there's something that I would say to somebody, and if somebody is considering like wanting to be a part of it, uh, whether that be working here, if we were to do it, or working wherever, and we were to do it. Um, and or investing, this is what I would tell you, everything under one umbrella. I would say this whether I'm here or not. I think that is very important um, for every for everybody to be doing one thing. And the only thing that I would grandfather in are the TV guys. And at this point, there are two left, right? Frank and Doug? Yeah. I mean, you know, I still in the back of my mind think the cat will be back. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really count them out yet, but I guess at this exact moment, I could see Martin Kilcoin. Martin and I talked about it uh, a few months ago, coming back. Uh, it's not to say that he is or isn't or anything like that, because it's not like I've got anything going to offer him at this moment. But I'd grandfather that in because I recognize that the TV people, the management people still view that as like a, you know, the superior media platform, even though, you know, I think, you know, that's subjective at this moment. Um, so with that all established, uh, everything would be rolled in what Pete and I were talking about. Sound story. It's rolled in, uh, the radio station, it's rolled in the podcasts. There are podcasts that we have done that we have not released to the public that if you knew about them, 
fantastic. You would be salivating. And I hate to even say that because <laughs> and now I've built it up. Well, they're, they're worth building up. I'd say. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it really, uh, and, and, and then, and then in addition to that, more than that, that goes beyond St. Louis, uh, because the growth is not about investing in something that is just limited to St. Louis. The growth is beyond that. This is, this is not a, Oh, I hope I can do my show for another 25 years. It's not it. I want to, I want to play big boy games. And if we can play big boy games, really have a run here. So that's how I view it. I don't, you know, I mean, if it's just about doing the show, I'll move down to Jupiter, do the show. This is about uh, really trying to build some things. And I'll tell you this, another thing with regard to sound story, I have one person who, two people, who I think have much more interest in sound story, I guess three actually, but one of the three is in, in, in the group at the moment, um, in investing because of that than the radio, the TMA, the inside STL. They see that, and I, but they're all rolled into it, so it's like, well, we'll invest, and, you know, relatively speaking, it's not like a crazy amount to invest, so we think this thing's going to blow up, so we're there on that. So you have that. So that, I mean, I know it doesn't answer it directly, especially with regard to, like, lineup stuff. And, and, and I guess with regard to lineup, would it be more TMA? I suppose new talents or talents who aren't of the magnitude sounds like an overstatement, but you know, name recognition of a Bernie Miklas of a Martin Kilcoin. Um, those guys, I can't ask them to all of a sudden have a TMA. That's not what they do. Right. You know, uh, although Martin's sense of humor is, is fucking cutting and quick as anybody's in the world for my money, but it's not what he, you know, I mean, that's not what he, you know, but I would love to have cameras everywhere. Yeah. Video is huge. Everywhere. Everywhere. In Everybody breaks, always asks me about that. I'm like, everywhere. We want to. Everywhere. You know, and then we monetize it. We don't just do it. That's the thing. People have to understand that. And I, and I know I'm, this is straw manning right now. It's not, it's not like people are pushing back. But don't get upset when there's advertising. Don't, don't get upset when there are charges. When we do an event, don't get, oh, where's the money going for the charity? It's a fucking business. It's going to us to fund the hosts that you're saying are underpaid. Stop bitching about that part of it and understand that, hey, ad revenue is down substantially, so therefore people are not making as much money as they were. So that's the nature of the beast, just like damn near any other business, you know? So we have events. It doesn't always go to charity. It's a fucking capitalistic philosophy. It's not real cutting edge, for fuck's sake. So, <laughs> you know, everything to me has to be monetizable. If we can't make money on it, then we shouldn't be spending money on it. So... I hope people understand it. If they don't, I don't really care. You're left at the train station. This is the way the game is going to be played, and the game is going to be built around sales. If we even decide to play the game. I don't know if we're going to play the game. But that's how I view it. I view that. I, I get more excited about salespeople, actually, than I do about talent. Um, because without the salespeople, it doesn't matter if you have Bernie Miklas and Martin Kilcoin and TMA and, and whoever else that you would want to put in that category. Uh, it doesn't matter. You have to have the salespeople. And that's the key, but you got to give the salespeople the proper ammunition, uh, to, to sell. And then also you could be the greatest salesperson in the world in September of 2020. And you're going to have a tough time making sales right now, considering the circumstances, hopefully within the next few months that climate changes, but this is all part of the landscape that we're navigating. And that doesn't mean anybody is a bad guy or a good guy. This is just the way that it is with regard to programming. I just, you know, that that's, Listen, to me, it's about, can we make money on the show? And the ratio usually needs to be four to one. Here's what you're allocating on it. 
here is what you're going to get. Same with salespeople. All right, we're going to pay the salesperson this, then they're going to need to be bringing about four to one. And some people might say, oh, it needs to be higher than that. Oh, it's too aggressive. It needs, you know, you can settle for two to one or three to one, whatever the case might be. But that is, that's, that's it. So it's inside STL. It'd be a radio station. It'd be obviously TMA. It'd be podcast. It'd be sound story. Am I leaving anything? It'd be merch, merch, Being a media company. It'd be a media company. I mean, that's what it is. That's what it is. And the, the, then the, great thing is, is that so many people wanted to be a part of it, that we were in a position to do it without even having to go to a bank. Um, and that's a, that's a great thing. And just go, okay, here, we're going to buy, buy it and just knock it out and away we go. So that's, that, that, you know, that's the background on it. I don't think I'm saying anything. I don't know if I am, I am, but I don't think I'm saying anything. It's like, you know, going in, into the room, so to speak. I think, I think the public overrates the programming part of it, um, which might sound weird. That probably sounds counterintuitive. It's the thing that gets headlines. It's the thing that gets written about. And then people like support people, whoever they like on social media. And then it becomes like a backlash, you know, but if the, the show is either making money or it's not making money and there it is, that's it. Just like your company is either making money or it's losing money. And if you are part of the company that is not making money, you are probably not in a good spot to keep working at said company. And that is business. Now you might like the person on the air, but if the deal doesn't work for the radio station, then it isn't a good business move. And I know all of this sounds like, I mean, fuck, I learned this like in high school, but that's, that's the, it's like there needs to be, you know, this needs to be, I, I, I think the thing that's tough is if you get in this spot, especially me as a guy who's on air that, um, I think people view their entertainment differently than they view business, but the reality is the two are intertwined. And so if, if an entertainment product is not profitable, then the entertainment product ceases to exist. So, you know, with regard to TMA, the show has a loyal following. It has loyal advertisers and we're very comfortable in saying that we could build on that and grow it. And I, I feel that way with regarding to building beyond that. So, you know, that excites me. That fires me up. Uh, at the same time, there is a real good chance that I am not here and I am doing a show completely separate from Doug and Pete and Iggy. Uh, you know, who knows? Uh, soon. So that's all in play too, I suppose. But um, from my standpoint, I know that I would like to have the opportunity to build. That excites me. And I know that is where Pete is. Yep, I want to build. That's 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 been something Pete's told me ever since uh, we sat down for lunch in like July or August of 2018. So that is what that's what gets me going. Um, I I think the things that I have hesitation about outside of anything regarding the economy um, are that because I've been there before. I've been in the chair before. Is the getting the blame for shit you have nothing to do with? But that comes with anytime you're in the chair, whether it's radio or otherwise. So if you want the good shit, you have to understand that the bad shit comes with it. And that's just part of the deal. And I just have to handle it and deal with it. And that's, that's part of the responsibility and that's fine. Uh, and then there are unforeseen things and you deal with that just like any other business, nothing different there. It's just the one thing that's different. Cause I would sometimes be saying, God, this is so fucking miserable. I'd be bitching to whomever. And I remember my dad, you know, having done sales and worked in media all his life, but albeit, you know, sales, 
Jimmy, I know. I've been there. And I go, I, you know what? You, you have, but you, have, you haven't been in the public part of it. And usually if you're being written about, you're either making so much money you don't even fucking care or there are statistics and you go, it's fine. You can say, I'm not doing this. I hit 320, so go fuck yourself. Uh, or I'm making, you know, I'm on a three-year, $30 million deal, so go fuck yourself. Or I just don't fucking care because I'm on a three-year, $30 million deal. Or you're in politics, which means somebody else is going to be writing a good thing and, you know, either representing the truth or, you know, or whatever, misdirecting shit to support you because you're on their side. And we're in a weird spot of not necessarily having either one of those things going, um, but yet it, it's titillating because it's like a gossip thing. And that's, uh, you know, that's that's something that I think you would probably see uh, me not want to necessarily engage in should any of this stuff uh, come to fruition. So anyway, I hope I answered the question even though I didn't give you my lineup because I don't know what the lineup would be. I honestly, I don't even know if we're going to have uh, this conversation, have to have this conversation. But since people ask about it and it's like, oh, I don't know if I can ask about it. Can you talk about it? I want to give you something on it. So there it is. Uh, thank you to Designer Heating and Cooling. I don't know where matter we are or no matter where we are. Seth Goldcamp will always be with us. Design Air is online at designairservice.com. They are the number one train dealer in the Midwest. Uh, it's hard to stop a train. Just install the brand new air conditioning in my home. And it's a 16 sear from train. I recommend Design Air Heating and Cooling to our audience. Designairservice.com. Seth Goldcamp, along with James Carlton, along with Jim Rogers, along with Mark Hanna, along with Ryan Kelly, all making this podcast possible. They're online at the Home Loan Expert. Dot com. That's where you'll find Ryan, CarltonInsurance.net, Restoration1 of CentralStLouis.com, EvergreenSTL.com, and DesignAirService.com. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studio. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.